Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Man, wow, man, freak out. You're listening to the Brenton on Tour podcast. That's right. He travels the world running concerts and searches for the best coffee, people, and amazing stories so you don't have to. Pay attention, you're going to learn something for a change. This is a show about all of those things and much, much more. You're blowing my mind right now. This is, I hope someone's recording this. So settle in, pour a cup of amazing coffee. He's a coffee snob, by the way. Crank that ghetto blaster and enjoy the 150,000 ranked podcast in the land. Ah, safe laugh. Hiding real pain. I think that's an exaggeration. It's the Brenton on Tour podcast. Any question? Here's BD. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brenton on Tour podcast for another week on the Dean Blundell Network. It is the third week of January. I've been doing a series about making it everyone's sort of uh definition of making it what it means to them and and sort of the different journeys that we've been doing along the way more of those to come uh but a, a subject to me that's extremely important and it's been important over the last three years um to me has been alcohol uh, i've just celebrated if, is it celebration is that the word i'm looking for i just crossed over three years of not drinking sobriety is that what it's called I'm, I'm sober now i guess that's it and it's uh it's been quite a journey and we're in the third week of january now not to time stamp this too badly but we're in the third week of january and this is traditionally the time where people have made new year's resolutions as far as you know quitting smoking or quitting drinking or going to the gym getting healthy or whatever uh the world is crumbling and everyone's very, very depressed already. And then you tag on blue Monday, which was yesterday, which is traditionally the most uh, depressing day of the year. And it can make for a lot of things, uh, a lot of people to give up those uh, new year's resolutions and all the rest of it, including drinking. So um, it's important to me to kind of talk about it this week is this is the time to either push through, or this is the time where people stop. And I wanted to bring along uh, a buddy of mine and the host of this network and who's given me such a great platform to have two shows on, uh, this one and the kids on the escalator with my my buddy Chris, um, who is sober and was, I think got sober just before I did, about a year before I did, and has been a real big help on my journey. And I just thought, let's dive in a little bit. So welcome, Mr. Dean Blundell. How are you, sir? Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. I'm good. Just a couple guys don't drink doing a podcast. Should be exciting. Yeah, you don't drink. Like, what are you like? What are, are you? What are, yeah. what are you like? I don't. You get understand. that too. You get that the whole. Well, I was on. Possible. Uh, it was funny because I I was on uh, with, with Bonzi live last night and we were talking oh, yeah. and, and he's seventeen days in, and uh, and you know the, the we were talking and joking a little bit about it because no one ever really says that's great when you say that you quit drinking. Everyone says really. No, oh, they look at you like this. They like this sort of. Like, Huh? And then they go, oh, good. 
Yeah, and I'm like, I don't do blow and heroin either. And, and people go, yeah. oh, that's good. People go, oh, way to go for that one. But that's really good. Like, like if you said, I don't do cocaine anymore and I don't do heroin, people are like, that's really, really, that's great for your family. And it's really, right? really great. And then you tell me you don't drink and people are like, I'm not inviting that guy out like that. Yeah, what a fucking bummer at a party. That guy. So I'm bringing right? the camera closer. The, so, the sober guy. And, and, and before I decided to take this sort of journey, I – selfishly never, I don't want to say pay attention to the sober guys. I just didn't notice them as much. It was sort of like you're out partying all the time and you're out doing stuff or you're at, you know, I'm running, running shows or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't partying in bars was my thing. It was more after the show and having a few and then you go out and you go out and you go out. And, and as I was would tour and sort of find sober people, I was myself curious, like, why are they sober? And I, I was guilty of it myself until I read to read about it. Until are I went they through enjoying it. themselves? Like how what can are they, they doing? How can they? They can't be enjoying themselves. They can't <laughs> they be hate doing themselves. They, you know, hate they, they hate them. Yeah. So I, uh, I did an article for your fantastic website, which is deanblundell.com. Our fantastic sure, website. Sure, our fantastic website, but we'll go with the namesake with DeanBlundell.com, uh, where you can find a billion pods of amazingness. Um, I did an article around the 5th. It's timestamped there, January 5th, was New Year's Eve, your last drink. And, I, you know, by all accounts, I got a lot of feedback on it. I had a lot of people DM me. People are afraid to comment on your things, but they will DM you about this. And furthering along the stigma about alcohol. Mm-hmm. Which is like, oh, I don't want to tell anyone I've got a problem, but hey, thanks for writing the article, which happens, you know, and we've all. Did you get a lot of that? It. I did. I really did, actually. Yeah. And then I had some people that were like, hey, um, how did you do it? And all the rest of it. So we've had some sober talks. We, we haven't really chatted too much about it on in, on this platform, um, but I thought it was important just given the time frame. And yesterday was literally the most depressing day of the year uh, for a lot of people. Their bills come in. It's the Christmas bills. It's the end of the, you know, they don't, they're not seeing any gym gains. They're out. They're not, you know, the, the, staring like, down the barrel of two solid cold fucking months again, up in your, yeah, I got it. Yeah. You know it's, what I mean? Watching yeah, their, yeah, pre, yeah. watching their premier shovel out, uh, shovel out things and not pay attention yep. to their, yeah. So stress. while we're dying and get sick, yeah, dude, there's lots of reasons, right, to be upset right now. There's like, there's tons. Yeah. I, there's I don't tons. Want any of them. Like, that's the thing about, that's the difference. Like the difference between me today and me five years ago yeah, is like, I don't look at life like that anymore. You know, I, I, I can't, it's, it's, it's a, it's a funny journey. I think, you know, we talked about it or you talked about it in your intro and I appreciate you having me on because it's my favorite thing to talk about it is uh, getting better at life. You know, it's mm-hmm. not about, to me, it's not about whether or not you're an alcoholic to me, it's not about whether or not you drink too much or you do too much blow or Coke or pot or what. They're all coping mechanisms to me, right? All of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, it's about it's about duplicity and, and about the victim class. Like I, I've had four years and, and just to kind of, you know, re regroup a little bit. I've had four years of not drinking, actually four and a half now. It's kind of weird. I'm stuck on four for some reason because it doesn't matter anymore. Like it's one of those things where you're like, eh, whatever. Um, But four and a half years. And I feel, I I look at life so differently today because of a number of things. And it started with not drinking. So let's back that up. What does that mean? People drink for a number of reasons, right? 
<clears throat> people are depressed for a number of reasons. But the reason why people are depressed is that they don't have the tools to navigate the hard parts of life. And so we drink mm-hmm. or we do drugs because we don't want to deal with the hard parts of life. And we're taught, you know, hey, here's what you do. After a hard day, come home, pound like five Weisers and Cokes. Pound a couple vodka sodas. After you're done, load out. It's three o'clock in the morning. Have four or five drinks so you can go to sleep. Right, sleep it. It's it's such a natural thing, and it's 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 a we have stores dedicated to it. Recipe books around alcohol, and I have no problem with people that drink, and I really don't even have a problem with alcohol. What I had a problem with, and I think a lot of people that gave up alcohol will say the same thing. I had a me problem. Now. Mm. What is the me problem? The me problem is, is that I didn't have any tools to deal with life. I was given all kinds of money, all kinds of things when I was like 28 till I was like 45. I had the world by the nuts. I didn't really want anything. I was I had this fucking life of entitlement. But inside, I was still that kid that moved from town to town whose dad treated him like shit when he was a kid and all the other stuff. So I was carrying around two different people. Now, that duplicity is what generally leads to addiction in almost every single person. It's this inability to be able to square this vision of this person you're actually putting out to the world Mm -hmm. that can't deal with anything and he's hiding it all because he's never learned to have the tools of life. He's never learned to go through something hard, never had to deal with disappointment, or if he had, he just glossed over it and didn't bother learning from it. And And it's amazing because I see a lot of guys like us in our age that get to a point where they're like, there's got to be fucking something out there that's not in a glass or on the end of a straw Mm -hmm. that will make me happy. Give me this sustainable peace of mind and joy that I'm looking for. And that was my life. It wasn't about high roller, uh, alcoholic, drug. I never did drugs, never did hard drugs wasn't about any of those things. It was fucking legitimate at the age of 43, legitimate misery of you are not what you say you are. You're not what people want you to think you are. And you are failing at life because you cannot face anything hard. So I just ran from shit all the time. You know, a hard conversation I would run away from. Mm-hmm. Meeting at work I didn't want to have. I would leave the building and say, I'm not fucking dealing with that and put on this brash attitude like I was some fucking God or something. And because I never stopped to deal with the hard parts of life because I thought that, you know, I didn't have to anymore. I didn't have to go through hard things. I didn't have to genuinely experience life like everybody else. I thought I was above that. I crashed. And what enabled me to crash was alcohol because it's a depressant. Mm-hmm. And I, because I didn't have the tools to deal with life, I drank too much because I drank too much. I put off everything because I put off growing up. I woke up at 43, 44 and went, everything I've done to this point doesn't work anymore. You know how fucking scary that is? You know how fucking scary it is to wake up at 43 and go, you don't have a gig. You used to, used to make millions. You don't, you don't have any friends. You're miserable with your partner. You're afraid for your kids to even come over because you don't think you have anything to offer them because you are broken. You are a broken individual because you did not do the hard parts of life. You didn't suffer. You made everybody around you suffer and think that your job was more important than everybody else's job. My time was more important than everybody else's time because that's what sick people do. 
So what I had to do was cut out booze and then I had to get real and I had to figure out a way to fucking live life happily. And, and that came with a number of different things. It came with psychology. It came with psychotherapy. It came with psychiatry, mm-hmm. all the different psychs, put them all in the thing. Put them all in there. It came with two years of 12-step programs, AA meetings, fucking church basements, one-on-ones, trying to understand the book, trying to understand the the lessons, trying to understand the steps, trying to live this life because I saw these people that had something I wanted, which was just happiness. I just wanted to be a happy guy. That's all I wanted. And then the pandemic hit and I thought, no AA, I'm fucked, right? But before that, I started getting into philosophy and then I started getting into academia and then I started to learning about neuroscience. Then I started to think about the rest of my life in terms of, do you really want to put nothing in and get nothing back? And everything changed. So I go back to that first thing, which is I had a drinking problem because I had a me problem because I was trying to fucking bring those two hurt people together with alcohol and it doesn't work. You have to bring those two, those hurt people together by talking about it and dealing with it and then going through this experience in life. And here's the catch. Here's the catch for me. The catch is I've learned how to respond to this life. This life has not changed. Yesterday was still Blue Monday, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're still in a pandemic. So when you ask that question, you know, a lot of people going through hard things. I don't even look at those things like they're hard things because the hard things in life, fuck, they get me so excited. I get excited to go through fucking lockdowns because I want to know how I'm going to respond to it. Mm-hmm. I get excited to have hard conversations where you might have to part company with someone because I want to learn how to be better in that. And that's why I don't look at Blue Monday like Monday. Monday was an opportunity day for me because I had two meetings that were really important and we had a great show and I had great experiences and I lived mindfully. I could not have done that five years ago. Dude, I would not be here five years ago if I didn't stop drinking because that was the key to me being awake, right? And aware and self-aware. And if I didn't invest in myself to enjoy this life, to get better at this life, that is why I don't drink. And that is why I'm happy. So to open your show with 10 minutes of me, fucking that's fine. On, 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 <laughs> that's okay. That's sense. it for the show. Everybody, we kind of covered it, but uh, <laughs> you were touching on like, you know, access and all the success that came to you. And then it was yeah. taken away from you and all the rest of it. You were basically an early version of the Biebs, you know, you know, without the Timbits, without the Tim Biebs, you know what I mean? It came in hard and then you, you know, you, you didn't handle it well. And here we are. Mm-mm. But Mm-mm. here, you know, you've bounced back. I mean, the, 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 your story is, uh, to me, it's quite inspiring to come back from from all of that and to, you know, create this massive, um, you know, interf- or network that you've created, which is giving people like myself a voice and, and an opportunity to just, you know, create. And creating for me is my therapy from the standpoint of like, I really, I was talking to my wife about it last night. She's like, you really like to create. I'm like, I, it's, it's sort of touring i needed something to replace the the drinking you know and to me parking myself in a hotel and talking with people and learning their stories was addicting to me and it and it was a big help cuz i think it's daunting when you quitting smoking quitting yeah. gambling quitting drinking quitting all of it you you look down the road instead of the day that's in front of you i, I think to most people and they always say one day at a time but it really is that i was i was challenged with 30 days once i got to 30 i didn't want to waste the 30 and then it was more. And then I got to 100 days and I'm like, well, I can't. I don't want to. Do people hate people like you? 
Do people hate? Well, I have one yeah. of those face. I have one of those faces people like to punch. So that's <laughs> that happens. Like uh, that, that's been happening to me forever. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's it's an interesting. You have an interesting story because it's very different than mine, right? Like mine was predicated on wanting to be a happier person that had the ability to deal with life and wanted to feel capable and confident and all those things. I was broken, like I, I said it earlier. Yeah. You you weren't broken. You were just like it sounds like because you and I have had several conversations about this. You woke up one day and went, "What am I doing?" Like. And well, I was handed a substantial amount of responsibility with my job as well. So, you okay. know, there, there's a journey. Well, it, it was everything. I wasn't feeling great. I wasn't feeling like I was present in, you in swollen with myself. I was, you know, I was drinking. Brent looked a little swollen, a little 20 pounds, a little heavier. Uh, <laughs> God damn, it was fun. Anyway, so then I, uh, you know, uh, God, I even hit I even hit all the, the things. I mean, I, I became great friends with the people that run Jameson. I know. Me too. Every time I went to Dublin, they're like, come on in. Last time like, I went there, last time I went there, I was like, they're like, what? The same thing. They're like, you're not drinking. Here's not a having fucking, any of this they're sweet like, juice. here's a fucking coffee cup. You <laughs> loser. So anyways, it was just, it was funny. They've been supportive, but it was just like it, all these things, like you, these goals that you set out as a drinking, you're like, oh yeah. Oh my God. I'm great friends with the Jameson people. I've, I've made it. Speaking of making mm. it, <laughs> I've made yeah. it as a, dr- I've made it as a drinker. Now Jameson wants to send me a care package. That's how far I've made it. <laughs> so. Dude, Jameson used to send me bottles of booze with my name on them. Right. Like I've got one know, upstairs. Like, I should have brought it down yeah. here. So I've got I have several. That was a big moment for me. I came back holding that like the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I was like, look what I did. And everyone's like, wow, look at you drinking. Yeah. It was just funny. well, but but you know what it is, yeah. is like it's it's fascinating the change that occurs in individuals who go from like not imagining their life without alcohol because they truly do need it. And listen, it works. Like fuck. The reason why we drank for as long as we did and enjoyed it to the extent what we did is because it fucking works. Like if you've ever been drunk before, you know what I'm talking about, but there's 35 minutes of fun in there. I boiled it down 35 to 39 minutes of fun because the chemical reaction when you get drunk literally lasts for 35 minutes. And the way that I drank is the way I drink everything, coffee, water. It's like, boom, boom, boom. You keep going. So that 35 minutes, it's gone. And I'm on my way to blackout before I know it. Right. Like that was if you boil down the experience, that's what it is. However, to your point, we are constantly under the cast mental concept that if we don't, if someone takes something away from us, no matter what it is, it's wrong. It's an, it's an unjust wrong thing that happened to us. And we, and it's like unfair that, and then you, you look at yourself. Cause when I quit drinking, I looked at myself legitimately for a year, mm-hmm. like you fucking loser. <laughs> Like I'm going to meetings. Everybody's telling me I'm not. I'm like, you're a fucking loser. Aren't you? Look at you. Look at you've done. You've drank so much. You can't drink anymore. And even if you could drink, it just turns you into an asshole and you want it so bad because you know that it makes you feel good and you can't have it. Look what you can't have. That's an interesting point. Well, it's what everybody goes through when they first quit drinking. If they drink too much. I, I it's, you get that, everybody. that, that you, you feel bad that you failed at drinking. Yeah. You fucking failed. <laughs> you failed you know? life. You failed everyone around you. Um, yeah. I, you know, you failed everyone around you. I, uh, I've got a, a kind of a, we've kind of covered off a few of them here, but I want to, I want to kind of go, let's go with this one then with keeping with that theme. So um, can you have a drinking problem and not be called an alcoholic calling someone? My son was the best uh, over the Christmas. I have to tell you something. So we were at some friends and 
I poured her a glass of wine and he said to me, no, uh, just friends of ours. We were, we were, our friends oh. were, we were, we were over on the Island hanging out and it was like, um, the wine was there. They're just really close friends of ours. We we're hanging out. And, um, I was like, Oh, Hey, do you want a wine? She's like, sure. So I pour a glass of wine. And my, <laughs> my son says to me, but aren't you a non-alcoholic? Because he loves you. Man. And I was like, I didn't think that non-alcoholics could drink. And I, I had to stop because I'm like, first, you prejudiced little prick. I got to tell you. <laughs> I was like, call me a non-alcoholic. You might as well, you know, anyway, it was yeah, yeah, funny. Yeah. It, you, you know, uh, that's racist. Wait, is that? I don't know. It was you know, that's funny. love, though. Like, but it's it was, fascinating. And then we, but, but they've never, my kids have never really um, talked about it with me. But you, it, it puts you in that moment where they go where you realize that they've been watching your every move and that, you know, as a pressure, as a dad, I was kind of like, yeah, I was like, like, there was a point where I was like, my kids are watching every single thing that I'm doing and, and have been this whole time that, and have been this whole time. So when mm-hmm. he was like, aren't you a non-alcoholic? I thought it was hilarious. So then we talked about it later and, and he, and then he asked it again. He goes, well, can non-alcoholics have drinks? And I'm like, well, first it's not called non-alcoholic, but good, good work. It's fine. I'll, I'll run with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but number two, I said, I mean, not really. If you've chosen not to drink, you really can't. And now I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've um, talked about my love for the non-alcoholic product called Partake. They sponsor yep. the podcast and everything. However, um, there is debate whether, you know, if you're getting out, you got to be all the way out and having a fake beer or having a fake wine or they make fake whiskey and all this shit now is really just, you know, placebo yeah it's yeah and and i i don't i don't know where i stand on that i just happen to like how and i was never a beer guy i just happen to like how partake tastes yeah you can dip (laughs) your toe back in the fucking booze arena and not feel guilty about it right so right now it's it's club soda lime but but anyways so what can you can you have a drinking problem and not be called an alcoholic i I think it's you know what's funny is that 12 steps like fucking militant right but it's loving like it really really is and um i do not subscribe to as someone who like literally spent two years in church basements like a couple times a week i I don't subscribe to the concept that every time you walk into a room you have to declare yourself as an alcoholic now that'll fly in the face of like every single person that's ever been in those rooms that mm. legitimately holds those things to be like they're tethered to reality right so that's just me i support everybody that goes through the program it is brilliant when it comes to touching on not being able to control the world that you want to with your alcohol not being able to control bad things you got to go through life you got to deal with it you got to be authentic you've got to be honest you've got to say sorry you have to be able to live a value filled life and so how it can you identify have a drinking problem and not identify as an alcoholic it's entirely up to you it it has nothing to do with whether or not a former alcoholic or someone who drank too much thinks that you have a problem. It's not a classification. You know, you can take a test online. And I remember I used to do it all the time (laughs) because I was like, I wonder if I'm getting worse. And I would take these tests online, tests to discover if you're an alcoholic or not. And there's like 10 to 15 questions and you're answering them. And then you, you click in your score and you're waiting to see if it tells you you got a problem or not. Right. 
and and it says at the end of it, if you answered yes to one of these 15 questions, you're probably an alcoholic. And I'm like, oh, fuck, it was a trick. You're fucking me. This is it. And then I got angry at the institution of people. Stuff. Crazy shit, like just crazy shit. It is entirely up to the individual. Now, when I talked earlier about me having a me problem, yeah, I've morphed from, uh, you know, using the values of 12 step into the values of living a good life. What is true? And I love philosophy. I got into philosophy a couple of years ago, probably three, four years ago, and specifically love the philosophy of stoicism. Stoicism's values are very, very simple. There's four main tenets behind stoicism, courage, wisdom, temperance, and justice, right? And the really key part of stoicism is it teaches you to manage your response to the world and everything that's going on. Hmm. So when someone says they're an alcoholic, to me, that's a that's a that's something in the moment. Like in that minute, you feel that you are that person. So if that's how you want to identify, great. But my response to that is, I drank too much because I had a me problem. Now, it's not I don't drink because I'm an alcoholic. If someone says, "Can I get you a beer?" I just say, "No, I'm good. I just don't drink." And when they ask you why, like your point, they look at you like this, like, <sighs> and they, "Oh, why don't you drink?" I'm like, "I just don't like it. I mean, I drank lots when I was younger, and it doesn't fucking help you be productive, and it didn't help me feel like a better person, didn't help me be present with my kids." I could literally draw a straight line from everything bad in my life, from my weight to my attitude, to my perspective, mm. to my kids' health, to the health of my relationships, back to alcohol. Literally every single straight line. And so what that told me was you got a problem with booze. So cleared out the problem with booze. And then I'm like, I still have these same problems, right? And that's when I got into philosophy and turned up the neuroscience to 10 and started reading everything I could from Sam Harris about, you know, a stoic response to neuroscience. I, uh, Ryan Holiday, like I literally just Tim Ferriss, I literally dove into the ancients and the idea that you could literally research how to have peace of mind to be happiness. And you know what? I found stuff. Like I invested in that time of like, what do I want for me? And so I read and I talked and I consulted and I went and had fucking meetings with people who yeah. like philosophers on values and tenets. And I read the meditations and Seneca's letters and Epictetus's moral discourses. Like I've read everything I can get my hands on when it comes to positively being able to frame the objective realities of this life and being able to go through it. So long answer to your question I don't think that that's an alcoholic and I don't think anybody as described by the program that thinks they drink too much has to identify as an alcoholic all the time. But I think a drinking problem is everybody's problem that feels like it's in the way. Do you know what I mean? Well, and it's, it's, I mean, society needs labels. So we need so you you have a drinking problem so you're an alcoholic well no i have a drink to your point like you know you have a me problem i'm sad you know i uh, you you know i wanted to know do you need aa to get through it i didn't do aa i had friend you i know you went through it i have some other friends that, that are currently in the program um and it wasn't for me I, I just, I wanted to try to do it. I actually, I found this Bible you were speaking. It was fun. I found this Bible from Claire, which was amazing. Uh, called the sober diaries. And it was such a big help to me. And she's so such an incredible person. Um, 
she actually helped me big time. You grew up with the Bible, you, and then you have these new books. Are they the, your new religion? Because you're supposed to find a higher power. Is that no, stoicism? I, my higher power is my kids and my peace of yeah, mind. Yeah. Like, like you know, like that's the thing is I through the process of going to AA, I've completely disavowed religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was there well before that started. So, but I, 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 uh, I, uh, I, um, but I, I definitely. Um, I found this on the journey, which was great. It was like a journal of her journey through sobriety. Your podcast with her was great. She's fantastic. Awesome. Not only that, though, but there was a moment, and this might have been before, I'm trying to think of it was before we met, possibly. Maybe just uh, what I reached out to her just publicly, you know, privately and was like, mm-hmm. I love this book. It's been amazing. And she she messaged back and was like, hey, happy to help with whatever you need. The big moment for me through that process was was I almost caved. I was in Ireland of all places in Cork down whiskey alley. And I almost caved and I was like, God damn it. And I, and I go through her book and she caved at the mo- at basically at the same day. Unbeknownst to me, I'm like, I'm, I right up to where she caved and I realized I was, our days almost matched. It was crazy. Mm. And uh, she ended up caving. And I talk about it in this article off of, um, you know, your, on your, on, our, our, on our site. Yeah. About how, but she, you know, her, um, I reached out to her and said, listen, you, you're, you slipped, unfortunately, and you, you know, you drank and you regretted it. And it was a big problem. That line though, in that book was a big help to me. I actually, you know, didn't drink because of that. I just didn't, I went for a run. It was like a 10 and most of these urges were in 10 minute increments. You know, they hit at 10 minutes and then they go away and you go to the gym or you do whatever. So I decided to go with this approach instead of AA. I know a lot of people um, have chosen AA. That seems to be like the first thing people say, go to AA, but it's like, great. But what are the options if you don't want to go to AA? You know, sort of what do you, how are people, you know, um, it's tough. What, kind of to, what kind of tools can be used to get through it if you choose not to go to AA? What kind of support team? I've been lucky. I've had you, I've had Claire, my wife, you know, who still drinks, but she's been a supportive. My friends, everyone's been, been on for the ride, but um, a lot of people don't have that support. So what do you think on that? Um, as far as like. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, it, like no AA. Can you get, can you, yeah. oh, fuck, of course. And, I've got a friend actually, uh, his name's Hank and Hank is one of my very dear friends. And actually he introduced me to stoicism back when he was still drinking. And mm. so like, I, I, I'm fortunate because I've got really good friends in my life uh, that, that helped me as much as they would help anybody that they care about. Right. And, and listen, lots still drink. Some don't finding that, you know, every year, two or three more guys join the stable of like, fuck, I can't keep doing this. Right. Cause hangovers, by the way, over 40 death, the worst, Brutal. absolute fucking worst. It's another reason why it's worth it. 
Uh, and so is, and cannabis is tremendous. Another reason why it's worth a million different options you can do. But my, my friend Hank and I uh, have very different stories. Hank, <clears throat> uh, he and I are roughly the same age. He's far more successful than me. And he's very, very smart, way smarter than me. And he didn't go the route of AA. He legitimately did exactly what you did is he dove into source material. Uh, but he's that guy. Like, he's like, I need to make a change. I want to do this. What do you think? And we would talk about it. We talked a lot and I'm nobody's sponsor. I don't even subscribe to that stuff. I I'm here to be a resource to anybody that wants to be a happier person. It doesn't. And the drinking is just one of those things. It seems to be in the way for a lot of guys and girls. Right. And I don't work with girls because that's like not supposed to. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> not mm. supposed to do that. It's called the thirteenth step, by the way. Gotcha. Um, but I was fortunate that way to get his story and have it make a lot of sense to me. And I don't know that you do need twelve step, but I can tell you this: I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have it. I highly recommend it to everybody, and I yeah. recommend it for a couple of reasons. Is most people when they're alcoholics, drug addicts, they walk into those rooms, and the hubris that is about to meet the embarrassment is cratering for people, right? Because you're going to walk into that thing feeling like the cock of the walk. Maybe you got told to go to AA. Maybe you got told you could be by a judge. You got to go to 12 step just to get your life. All those things. You walk in angry, resentful, full of loss because you know, you can't do it again or something bad's going to happen, whether it's a legal thing, a you thing, a wife thing, a kid thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, there's a moment there where you are crushed. And I think everybody should have that moment in their life. Like this moment where they are in front of a group of people they've never met. They're in a church basement in July and it's beautiful outside. And you got to sit there for two hours and eat it, eat it legitimately. Listen to these stories of people who found happiness and have a way out. Because that was what I couldn't figure out. It was like fucking being in a maze. You're like, how am I going to get out of here? I get, mm-hmm. it's always, and then you go back to the booze and you're like, it's the only thing that makes me not fucking lose my mind. And I was like, you're manic and you're weird and all the other shit that comes with it. And you're thinking dumb things and doing dumb things and you're lying and you're not proud of yourself. Because really, in the end, you know that, right? Like everybody and, and my parents, I was talking to them. I talked to them every Saturday morning. Another thing, all my relationships change for the better. But I talked to them on Saturday morning, every Saturday, and we were talking about it. My, my dad was asking me some questions about this thing and tools and how you get through life and all these other things. And um, it's it was fascinating because um, when I think about – and my dad's an alcoholic, right? And that kid that I was running away from, my dad, the alcoholic, who no longer drinks and he's my bestie. Um, was super rough with me. He used to beat the shit out of me, demean me all the time when I was a little kid. And then he got help and he figured out his life and all that other shit. So that was the duplicity I was dealing with in my life, trying to bring those two guys together, right? So I didn't want people to see that guy. I also didn't want people to see the alcoholic. And so you walk into these rooms and you're legitimately fucked. And for you to sit there and have someone come around you and put their arm around you and tell you, I was there like eight years ago, but you're going to be okay. It's the kindness that you have to have in your life. And it's also this, it's a basing of your ego because really that's what we're fucking servicing when we don't admit we have a problem, right? This ego. And this ego, if you remember Top Gun, your your ego's right in checks, your body's can't cash. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, is, that is and was yeah. 
exactly why I drank too much is because I wasn't good enough. And my, I wanted to keep telling people I was, but didn't want to do the work. Doug Ford, great example. We talked about him in the podcast like all day today. He is vilified for a good reason because he's a piece of shit as an individual. <clears throat> we all know this. He's mm-hmm. abandoned governing for the last year in the province of Ontario because he doesn't want to do anything hard, right? So what does he do yesterday during this once in a million fucking lifetime snowstorm? He calls all the news stations, tells everybody how great he is and shows everybody him shoveling snow. He never did any of that the previous three years. The duplicity that must be killing that man today makes me happy. Makes me happy. And that's important for people to fucking identify in their own lives. Like, that's really it, right? Like, if you think back to why you quit drinking, think mm-hmm. about how, how, how less noisy it is today because you're not fighting with those two guys. You're not fighting an ego thing. You're not trying to convince people you're something you're not. You're not hiding from your alcoholism or whatever it is that you say you have a problem with. All those things have come together. And the reason why they came together is because you're living life on life's terms. People say it all the time. What does it mean? You're authentically experiencing life in the moment and you're not worried about what's going to happen after that moment because you're okay. All those things have come together. Yeah. And that's it's, important. The the key for me was removing alcohol. Like I, I went about it more organically from the standpoint of just asking my own question of like, how can I, um, I need to remove alcohol from a good time. Cause as long as I've been alive, alcohol has been associated with a good time from like five, six years old. It's like, you know, go to the, you know, when, before they were carting you, it was like, go to the, the corner and buy beer for the parents or, or, or whatever. And, and every single party that the parents went to, uh, or every, you know, the, the block parties, whatever it was, there was always alcohol there every single time. And I look back on my drinking career and I go, it was involved at least for the first 10 years of my kid's life. It was in everything, everything we went, everywhere we went, there was there was drinking and we just kind of did it. And I, it just hit me like, I've got to remove the equation of alcohol and a good time. They can't coexist together. Uh, like from the standpoint, well, they certainly do coexist together. What I'm saying is, is for me personally, I needed to take it off. I needed to say, all right, um, I need to be able to learn how to have a good time without drinking. And number two, I need coping. That is going to allow me to, if I've had a stressful day, that double on the bus after the show uh, is no longer necessary. Mm. So those were two things that, you know, and you asked me earlier about it, but you know, I had a level of responsibility that I I've worked towards, but it's like, I can't be rolling in to load in at 6am hung. And like, you know, something, somebody's going to be like, well, the, the, the promoter rep was, you know, was late. And uh, that's why smelled like whiskey. Yeah. Like it just doesn't like all it takes is like, you're settling a show and you miss one number and the show's out a hundred grand and people go, why? Well, we just want to let you know that, you know, you've been drinking during settlement. Like it just, that was never me. I never drank when I worked. So that was for the record, get that out. But after work, you know, or whatever on on the bus or days off. And then it, you know, I touch on, it's like, Oh, we're going to do this. And then it's like, all right, we, we have a thing in our business called Roadie Friday. So you do two or three shows in a row and then you know you have two days off coming up that night after the sh- the last show of three in a row. You know you don't have to get up for two days and you know that you're traveling on a bus for 10 hours. Roadie Friday. Comforting, eh? Roadie, fr- it's a blanket. It's no. like, oh, Roadie Friday tonight. And, that, and our business still is like, Every day, Roadie Friday or every, you know, Roadie Friday, if you, if you're on a tour to only place three shows a week, 
like a like you know like a big stadium tour that generally can only do two or three shows a week every show is roadie friday <laughs> so it's like right we're, we're three days before we're in london great roadie friday and everyone works These two super or hard three wasted days yeah yeah, so it just it just was one of those things, and not even getting wasted, but it's I I I I equated it to in, in the article about how we're all given like five thousand drink tickets when we're born, and then how we're going to choose to use them, and oh, you can use them great. you can use them over twenty five years at two drinks a week, or even three drinks a week, which is technically too much. Or and I was like, I'm pretty sure that year I one had year. a thousand. <laughs> yeah, I had a thousand of them, and can I have two thousand next year? And that's only two drinks a day. Yeah. Honestly, two drinks a day plus days off, really. And that who who doesn't have two beer? Almost half the people I know drive six beer into them before they're oh, even dude, go to bed. How many times you know? I, I heard like back when like I was drinking a lot, I was like 15 drinks a week max. And I'm like, I got 17 last night. <laughs> I never quite got there, but I was, I was like But I, I I see it. I mean, I, I can definitely see you it. You never so, had you never had a half of twenty-six? Oh, I'm sure. I oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure. It's the same. It was like it was almost like a mission, you, I guess. I guess if yeah, you have dude. if you have if you have four doubles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Four doubles is eight eight drinks. That's nothing. Know? You start with no. two. You know, you dude. There was there was a time. Um, there I I used to look forward to getting shit canned. Like I used to have conversations with guys when I was on the radio. It was like Friday, get to the station. Like fuck, only eight more hours till we're blackout. It's like six o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. Like I look forward to not being present in life. Yeah. You know, and, and it was. Well, that's that really was the that's, sh- the, that's the escape, right? That's the shame. That's the shame of the yeah. whole thing. That's the thing that catches up with you because when you're not present in your life, you know it, you know, you're a bad person when you do bad things. Right. And I'm not saying drinking a lot is a bad thing, but I'm saying when you realize it, that it's a problem and you got to figure it out, you know it. Everybody mm-hmm. does. Like if you, if yeah. I asked you this question, listen, when you quit drinking, did you like that guy better and how he operated, oh, or God. do you are you do you like this guy? Better? My patience, me personally, my I like this guy better. But uh, uh, from people in general, to answer that question, my patience level is gone. So as far as like the standpoint of like, you know. You, you, I don't know if people notice it as much, but the same 25 conversations happen three times a week. You remember like last week when we were walking blah, 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 and everyone's like, oh, that was gross. Tell that story, Dean. Tell that story about the fucking time. I don't know, and, man. I only remember you, half of it. Yeah, yeah. Was it was it you? And what did Roberto Alomar do to you? Yeah, you told yeah. that last week, but tell it again. And then I'm like, "It no, 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 no. I'm, I'll literally like, I'll give everyone the first. I go in on the Monday and. They better not be talking about it Wednesday. And if they are, I'm out. Like, it's just a, like, I'll still go to the bar. I'll, you know, I have an expense account. I got to take the bands out. I got to take the people out. It's the out, normalization it's, of it, yeah. though. Like, like, yeah. We're talking about our issues. Like, I don't think alcohol is a problem. I don't, I, I don't even necessarily think I have an alcohol. I know I don't have an alcohol problem now because I don't even think about it. Like, I've got no yeah. anxiety when I drive by a liquor store. I've got, like, you know, if it's a long weekend and I don't have booze, I could care less. Um, you know, I, I'm in it for life. I want to experience my life. I didn't want to do that. If to a man or a woman with a drinking problem, if you ask them about experiencing life, they're like, life sucks. Life, life's hard. I can't do this without alcohol. Think about that for a second. Think about being altered because you can't deal with life. What does that tell you? It goes back to the same thing, Brent, right? The same thing, which is like, you're not geared for life. 
you gotta get geared for life. And it's it's ingrained. I mean, it's really tough. You have to deprogram yourself. I really, everyone does. If everyone that I know, I got, again, I have no, I, uh, I got no problem with alcohol. I, I pour drinks. I, I I got no problem with it from anybody that drinks a a single day. That's not even the thing. Um, And I touched on it like earlier, like, but when I did write the article, a lot of people were afraid to write on my wall. I got a lot of like in you know what internal you like just on my Facebook wall like I turned off the comments on that actually because I I on my Facebook because I didn't want want it's it to Facebook. be no but I didn't want it to be one of these raw raw like way to go yeah. Brent I was like hopefully this will help you and that's where it's going to lead so that's where I started getting Very stoic a few more comments mm-hmm. um but on like Instagram when I put it up and, and things like that um on people and Twitter they 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 reached out personally they never con i didn't really get a lot of comments like like that it was more like hey i've got a i got a problem or i don't know how to get through it and one i've discovered this community through not drinking now where i i either go searching for them or at the very least they find you because once it kind of gets out there that you're not drinking then everyone kind of finds each other yeah because they want to know how you did it right but they also find other sober people on tour and they then you you kind of become a mini traveling aa where you're like how did you get through it how did you get through it and it's it's very therapeutic actually touring with other sober people because you all know that's where coffee entered my life which turned into a podcast and here we are so (laughs) you know it's sort of like this is the experience of life like like i want let let me take you through what you just said okay let me take you through what you just said all these people, you, you put out this story about this this life experience that you want to share with people. You're afraid of what's going to come back because there are so many people struggling. Yeah. So you turn off the comments because you don't want to upset certain people, right? Because you know it's fucking serious. Oh, I like this. Where's this coming from? Well, this is the chill mix that we're putting on as you're describing me right now. So go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm describing chill Brent. Yeah, that's right. So... You decide you're not going to drink anymore, and you're better for it, right? You're present, you're happy, but when you put that article out, what were you worried about? What was I worried about? Yeah, why'd you turn the comments off? Oh, because I didn't want to make it about me. Exactly. Per se, even though I wrote an article, even though I wrote an article about me. About you. (laughs) (laughs) But what I say, but but uh, but I I really what I what I what I hate what I'm what I really really start hating. I think you you touched on this like when a celebrity dies, dies, everyone piles on like this is me and Bob Saget. I mean, I've never spoke about Bob Saget, but this is us forty five or fourteen years ago, and he you know whatever. And this is me and Betty White, like. Mm You know, Betty gets a pass. Everyone should post something about Betty. But I'm just saying when someone goes and it's the same, I, I kind of like I'm I, I go a little nuts with the. Uh, <clears throat> oh, look at me. Yeah, yeah. I hate it, too. And I, so I, that, can't stand that, it. I, I like like I'll, I'll I'll make comments like I kind of use Facebook as a traveling journal now. It's like, all right, checking in here and I'm flying here. I actually I'm flying to Vegas and it's like. And then you get the comments like, hey, I'm in Vegas, you, people you didn't know. So the, I find Facebook for me as a traveler, and it's actually pretty useful from that side of it. But yeah. I wanted that article to actually just be like, live on its own and say, it is about me, but I don't want this to be like. You want to oh, share oh, your journey with people, right? Great but but job. because But dude, because it's such a hot topic. Yeah. You fucking, you were consternated about the whole thing. Like you're like. 
oh fuck, maybe we should disable the comments. And then, and 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 there's another reason for it is that we were in those spots where we would see those articles and go, I'm not reading that. Mm-hmm. I know that was my friend, but what is that going to say about me if I read that and I identify with anything in it? Oh, it's, right? it's, it's, it, it really, and that's the, I think the biggest thing about this is people see themselves within you or they, or they kind of, yeah, I don't want to read that. Cause I know, I know what that's, that's about. And I know I'm going yeah, through it's it. Like looking, not, it's like a diagnosis. You don't want to yeah. get, you're like, fuck, I don't want to diagnose myself through Brent's article. And I'm afraid right. that Brent's going to tell him. some stories. He's never coming out a, again, but we want to go on But podcast. why do people do that? Like, why do people do that? Why? And it's the same thing. They're doing what I did, which is I'm running away from this as fast as I fucking well, can. That's and if the, the you're next running question. away from dealing yeah. with that, that's a problem. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's the next question. Like, wh- why do people, in the final question, at least on this thing, I'll let you go to your uh, ribs. But why do people, you know, give up trying to quit drinking or, you know, on a side note to that, um, is it easier to just keep going? Like, where is that moment where they go, I really want to stop. But man, that's a lot of work. You know, uh, it's it, it, it's it. People don't yeah. want to either put into work or they feel it's daunting, which a hundred percent is daunting. Because when I started, it was thirty days, and I'm like, okay, because everyone and, and Lindley talked about it on the network about like the the internet fads. Yeah. About you know no no drinking here and no, so dry January, January, dry dry January February, all that yeah. stuff and I and I'm like isn't it conveniently placed that people don't drink in November and January so they can get fucking shit canned in December because that's when all the Christmas parties are so like so it's kind of like I'm not drinking in November okay okay but that's dude cool. I know a lot of guys that are really happy you asked the question why do you give why do you people give up try to give up trying to quit drinking sorry why do people give up try, trying to quit drinking. Mm-hmm. It's different for everybody. I have a couple of friends that are like the six to 10 beer a day, a day guys. Don't drink. Lachlan's one of them. Um, my buddy Dave's another guy. Uh, my buddy Chris is another guy. They're perfectly happy. Totally. Perfectly happy people. They're trying to get better at life. They just like to have a few beers every night. Right? Right. And do they get drunk? monthly sure i don't care whatever fuck they're happy people yeah. that 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 didn't that wasn't my story that my, my story was the more i drank the sadder i got and i'm like i can't mm. fucking do this like i well that's I, a great point that's that's you know a great I mean? point because it's it's everyone's individual journey yeah and so like anyone that can it's funny you, you said earlier about when you go in <laughs> when you go into to aa or something like that you uh you look yourself in the mirror and you're like i've failed at being a drinker. Right. And so the, f- f- on the same side to that, the people that can do it and do it well, uh, or, uh, you know, and, and have no issue, you know what I mean? Like my partner in crime, Chris, who, who's, he's never been a big drinker, but, but I mean, he's like, he, you know, he's never been that guy that's needed 20 drinks. He's always like, ah, I can get, you know, two drinks, three drinks. He's fine joints, with that. Though, 20 joints and he's good. Ma- I don't sure. disagree. It's called but being I, California sober. I'm all on that. <laughs> so I, that's my, my thing is like, I kudos to anyone that, that can. And, and to, I, it was time for me to not anymore. I yeah. used up my drink tickets. So yeah. that's kind of where it was going. And, um, but I, I know it's a hard thing and that's why I wanted to touch on this today because it, you know, we are into that third week and this is when people generally give up. Or they stop and they don't have the tools Focusing to, on put, the wrong to, shit though, to push through. I totally get it. Yeah. And that's- yeah, they focus on the wrong stuff. Like I think, I think if it, we go back to, you know, quitting, trying, trying to quit and quitting, trying to quit. And why do we give, why do we quit things? Because they're too hard. 
yeah. generally speaking, right? So this, if you frame this whole thing, if you're one of these people, you listen to this podcast and you're like, maybe I've got a drink problem. There's only one way for you to tell, and it's not a test and no human being can tell you that. No other person can, can descend from the clouds mm. and go, you're cured. It is all what everything is according to the laws of the universe. The more work you put into being a better human being, the happier you're going to be, right? So if you don't want to be that person, I desperately wanted to be a happy person. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. And so I did everything I could to uncover what that looked like and what where I was, and I had to be honest about where I was, um, and what I wanted out of this life, which I had never done. In 44 years. That was the scary part for me. It was literally the first time going into that room. It was the realization in that moment that I said everybody should have that your best thinking for 44 years brought you there. And like it's, it was almost like I said to myself, I was fucked for 44 years. Like I did this wrong for 44 years. I haven't been happy like this for 44 years. Yeah. And there's a lot to unpack. You started drinking when you were one? Is that? <laughs> no, no. Like <laughs> I was never as happy as I am now because I've never yeah. had the perspective that I have now. That mm. life is about managing your response to this world. It's not about fixing it. Life is about managing my expectations to this world. It's not about enforcing my expectations on others, right? That I wouldn't have realized had I not gotten into philosophy. I would not gotten into philosophy and not gotten the help I needed to be able to do that investment into myself to understand the work involved in being a happy person does not escape anybody. It's not in shrooms. It's not in pot. Uh, it's not in drugs. It's not in booze. It's not in sex. It's in, well, sometimes, but it's not mm-hmm. like like legitimate, sus- legitimately sustainable peace of mind and happiness where you wake up in the morning, you have no dread, you feel great, and you want to do things moving forward. I hadn't felt that for 20 years it's like 20 a, years it's quite a feeling it's quite a i feeling. would wake up every morning i'll tell yeah. you some stories i would wake up in the morning towards the end of my drinking career and i would just cry like cry that i had to do that day cry that i was gonna fucking put up with my now ex-girlfriends bullshit cry that i would have to go and do just like enormous pussy shit enormous right And the only thing that would make me feel better when I was standing in the shower, like literally begging this invisible God for help. That's what I did back then. (laughs) God help me. He's not there. Well, he sent you to Uh, AA. Well, no, I did. I went there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was me. No one else went there. Um, And I did the work, right? And these, these things are available to everybody. It's not like... You know, I don't believe in divine intervention and all that bullshit. It's literally you do the work, you set your expectations, you get through life and try to enjoy all these moments and try to respond to this life. But my point was this. I'm standing in the shower. There's one moment of crying and I'm I'm hung over again and I'm like, God help me. And the only thing that made me literally feel better, what do you think it was? Knowing that I had a bottle of booze in the house that I could go and Mm -hmm. have a drink at like noon and that feeling would go away because it does work numb but then you know you do that again and i used to call it the circle of booze brent where you're in this circle of booze is like a hamster wheel and you're like fuck boom 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 boom. that's not life to me that's not how i should want to live my life might be good for some people but it's not how i wanted to live my life i wanted to be present i wanted to be loved i wanted to love i wanted to experience 
selflessness. I wanted to get rid of ego. I wanted to be able to have someone say, hey, Dean, why did you do this? And for me not to go, go fuck yourself. Don't question me. Like literally that's how I was. Yeah. Right. And that's entitlement. And it comes with all kinds of really terrible things. But in the end, I knew it was a bad person. So that was my story. Briefly. I mean, we what, we 53 minutes. We we're going to do 20. I like this, though. Um, that's my story. And, and you know what? It's everybody's story. It's not about labels. It's not about you being a bad person. It's about that hurt dude or chick going. That does is two people here that I can't figure out. Yeah. And I can't keep hiding it. I got to deal with it. And unless you're willing to make that investment to deal with the you problem, you, you, I mean, you're just going to do the same thing over and over again. Most people that I know that have gone down this path and <clears throat> tried to, uh, you know, and get through this and got sober and, and don't drink anymore or came out of it and maybe started again, but had a different perspective on it and drank less or whatever, whatever it is. It started with that initial, you know, get rid of it power through it and certainly feel better. And um, if you're listening to this or watching this, uh, I'll put up some stuff in YouTube in the bottom and I'll put up, you know, some stuff in, uh, in all the script about where you can go uh, for different help. If you don't want to go to AA or, or various things like that, uh, better help is a great uh, source for people and um, all these different things. So uh, we'll do that. In the meantime, uh, you bounce back magically created this incredible network uh let's tell our friends listening and watching about that because it's mm. on fire right now yeah deanblendell.com we like it um we enjoy it we needed a place for people to come and feel productive those are my best stories by the way uh about this whole thing it's it's not um i think when i started this i was still drinking actually mm. like it was like one of those like, you're not too bombs. far ahead of me i was three years you're four and a bit so yeah we, we yeah. just connected after that yeah um I'm not precluded from doing the work. Nobody is, right? And and this is just, you know, the next thing we do with our days. I still enjoy building and creating, and I enjoy it more with other people. This isn't about me. It's about everybody. And um, the fact that we can do this and uh, maybe make a little money at it down the road is, is incredible. But more importantly, I don't feel the same way I did before. I think that this is just an extension of what's next for people. Um, and I, and I can tell you this is that you know, what a hundred podcasts and, mm -hmm. uh, 30 bloggers and millions of page views. Uh, nice, really nice, cute, great, all that stuff. I'm happy today. I'm happy today because I know I'm not precluded from doing the work that everybody else has to do. And I do it and I feel a great sense of pride there, but more importantly, I'm really happy because my story here is amplified by other stories like yours here mm -hmm. and the and support that you've gotten and what you've gotten a chance to do and how you've grown from it, how you've responded to it, how I've seen James DeFiore respond to it, giving up alcohol and hard drugs and becoming incredibly productive and changing his perspective and life along the way. Those are the great stories. That's what we should be here for. We should be here for each other because there's no greater fruit in this life. Marcus Aurelius, Stoicism. Sorry, I'm going to drop it on you right now. Marcus Aurelius, the only true thing I really know, the real fruit of this life is being of good character and acts for the common good. That's it. That is all we have in this life because we're all going to do one thing. We're all going to die. <laughs> so make the most of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why speed up the process? That's my that's my thing. And I, right. I, why speed up the process? I mean, I'm already, oh yeah, we haven't talked about the terrible health benefits of being an alcoholic either. 
We'll get to that uh, on the next round table. Uh, okay, Dean. Well, you've been a big support of me you, uh, you, and giving me a platform, which I really appreciate. Your, your phone's always on and making time to come on our on my pod and, oh, and awesome. Chris and I's pod to, to come and talk about it. Hopefully we can do this again down the road and uh, dive into some further stuff. Um, one p- thing I want to recommend to people is there's a really, really, really great uh, episode that Dean did. I think it was last year with uh, Neil Morrison. Mm-hmm. To me, it was one of the best interviews I've ever heard. I've known Neil for a very long time. He's very uh, uh, integral part to the early part of my career. Big supporter of me, um, and my cousin. My cousin worked at Edge One Hundred Two way back in the day, and, and brought me in to that camp. And you pulled something out of him that I've never heard him be able to do before. And he also pulled some stuff out of you. And it's an amazing story. But yeah. Dean, Dean bouncing back, Neil recognizing what was going on. One of the most crucial comeback slash getting sober cleaning up your life interviews i've ever heard and i want mm. everyone to go check it out and i'm going to put it in the feed to uh, check it out it's a very very great interview i wanted to cover a quarter of that today but we did uh, what we could so i appreciate I, can it I, can i just say this too brent I appreciate yeah. thank you very much for thinking of me and, and bringing me on and i want everybody to take it easy on themselves like yeah it's the human race man you know mm. we're all in it we're all going in the same direction. Um, if you were struggling, go and talk to people who have answers. Like that's yeah. the most important thing. It's not about going to AA. Might be. It's not about changing your whole life right now and cutting off all the good things in your life. It's about taking it easy on yourself. You're doing better totally. today than you were yesterday. And if your goal is to be a happier person, do that work. Do the work because the work's actually fun. You start going, oh my God, like... I, I read the other day, we suffer more in imagination than reality. Epictetus, his moral letter said that. I can't remember the verse. We suffer more in imagination than reality. And that was in reference to this one thing that I struggle with. Why, when people do things, do I get so fucking worked up that I act like an asshole? <laughs> well, because we're a, we choose that. We allow yeah. that to happen. Yeah. And so if you choose to respond to this thing in your life, whether it's booze or drugs or sadness or depression or anxiety, whatever it is, choose to respond to it by being kind to yourself. That comes in a couple of different forms. One is relax. Mm -hmm. Number two, go and talk to somebody. There's a bunch of people out there that have answers that you don't clearly. So go and do that. And then three, put words into works. The things that you're hearing about practice them practice being a good person practice being humble practice being kind when it's really hard love people when it's the hardest all those things they continually will make you a better person and all of a sudden out of nowhere you'll be like this oh i'm happy so i don't have to drink or do drugs or fucking not be present Mm -hmm. getting happy is getting happy is everything what's that old soap opera we got one life to live right oh i've never watched that well, it was on. Um, it was on just after one day at a time. The Jeffersons. The We're Jeffersons. moving on up. We're moving on up. <laughs> Married with children. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, all the good stuff. I appreciate the time, man. Uh, Thanks, that buddy. is Dean Blundell. That is the Brenton on Tour podcast for another week. Thank you, everybody. Uh, for joining me. And again, I'll, I'll, if you want any help or anything, I'm going to put some stuff in the pod uh, to check out. Check out all the pods on dmodell.com and uh, check out brentonontour.com as well as my other show, Kids on the Escalator Podcast with my good friend Chris. That is the Brenton on Tour Podcast for another week. Join me next week. Uh, making series, making it series is coming back. Thanks, everybody. 
Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. I'm Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.